It is still Christmas. The Christ candle is lit. And so we read a Christmas story this morning. Listen for the word of God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you've found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let God bless the reading of his holy word. It's really a wonderful story for the Christmas season, this story of the Magi. Uh, They come, they give gifts to the newborn baby Jesus, kind of the first Christmas presents. It's a nice tradition that we start. And we see the star, and though the passage doesn't mention it, you can just imagine that these magi are are riding on camels to get to Jerusalem and then again to Bethlehem. It's just part of the image that we have. And this happens, of course, sometime after Jesus is born. So it's born. So naturally, we read it on a Sunday that follows Christmas Eve. We read it and celebrate it usually after Christmas Day itself. I'll tell you, I had a neighbor growing up. uh, He lived at the top of our street. He was on a pretty big lot, and kind of a corner lot, and so he had a lot of space, a lot of yard in front of his house, a big two-story house too. And each year, his Christmas decorations were just always the best. Uh, nobody could really compete. He just, he did such a really wonderful job. On one side of his house, he had hanging from the very top of his two-story house all the way down to the ground he strung lights in kind of a semi-cone, so it looked like a huge two-story Christmas tree was coming down from the corner of his house. Really, really beautiful. Then on the other side of his house, it was the very first person I ever knew or I ever saw, very first house I ever saw to have one of those projection Christmas lights on the house. Uh, You may remember when those first came out. What I saw, what he had, was that scrolling, scrolling projection of of winter themes. Lasted about 15 seconds, and then it would loop and repeat again. 
And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, it wasn't very much, and now, of course, it's pretty small, but he was, his house was the first we ever saw of anything like that. And that was on the projection on his house on the right side. But in the yard, the biggest portion of his yard, on that same side, he would set up a nativity. And even though he had all these lights, even though everything was very nice and tastefully done, the nativity was very clearly the center of his whole Christmas decorations. And it was nicely lit with a white floodlight. It had, of course, all of the major pieces, right? Baby Jesus, Mary, Joseph, a couple of sheep, an angel and a star. It's very, very nice. But then off to the side, again, he was in a pretty big yard. Off to the side, about 25 feet, the edge of his yard, were the Magi. These three wise men, they just looked out of place. And here we are going all throughout December, and he never moved them. It just looked really awful. It was really uncomfortable that the nativity scene wasn't complete. It wasn't finished. There was something missing. These magi were off, cast aside, it seemed like. And even on Christmas Day, they never moved up. He kept them so far away. And then I began to notice on December 26th, it seemed like something had changed. I wasn't quite sure what. It just seemed a little different. On December 27th, it seemed pretty clear that they had moved a few feet closer. Another week later, it was very clear. They were almost halfway there. They were almost halfway to the manger. It wasn't until January 6th that they were finally at the nativity scene. It wasn't until January 6th where they were finally there kneeling in front of the Christ child. And I thought, wow, this neighbor really takes the 12 days of Christmas very seriously. It was really important to him to get it right. This neighbor was somebody who really devoted that time and thought. And by January 6th, all of his other decorations were down. He didn't have his Christmas tree up anymore. He didn't have the lights coming down from his house. The projection had been gone for days. The nativity was still up. And each day he moved the wise men a little bit closer, little by little, until they were finally there on just January 6th. I'll tell you today and for the next several days, the Christmas season continues. Christ is born, let the earth rejoice. Christ is here, praise God. And after a season of waiting, now we have 12 days to celebrate the miracle that is Christ's birth. The miracle that God came to be with us. God took on flesh. And at the end of this celebration, the Magi come and give gifts to the baby Jesus. Again, these kind of first Christmas presents. And two things always strike me about these Magi. Uh, I always wonder, who are they? And what are they doing? Why are they here? Why come at all? And perhaps during this season, this Christmas season, it's appropriate to ask ourselves those same questions. The first question is simple enough. Uh, I don't have any idea who these Magi are. Scripture doesn't give us a whole lot of information. I don't have any clue 
who they are. They may have been kings. Unfortunately, the word magi is pretty poorly defined. We don't, they may have been kings. They may have been wise men. They may have been philosophers or astronomers. They may have been travelers or merchants. Based on their gifts, we might assume that they are at least somewhat wealthy, if not exceedingly wealthy. But we don't have too much more information about them. We know different traditions have risen about them for the last 2,000 years. People have come and said, yes, they were kings. Yes, there were three of them. Yes, they came from these specific nations. Some traditions even go as far as to name these three wise men or these wise men. Yes, they come on camelback. And none of that's in the scripture, and that's okay. The tradition is nice. Very, very nice. But it's not there in the passage that we read today. But that doesn't really mean that we don't know anything. And perhaps what's most important about these wise men is that we know what these wise men are not. They're not from around here. Or rather, they're not from around Judea, uh, which is to say they're not Jewish. If they're kings from the east, they're not King Herod, just to say they're not the king of the Jews. If they're from the east, they're not from Judea or from Galilee. They're not from a land filled with Jews, populated by Jews. They're bringing, get, they're bringing news that nobody else had heard yet. Herod doesn't know who they are. There's confusion and anxiety in Herod's court, as you might expect when somebody comes asking for a king who's not the current king's son. You can imagine that that would be an anxious time. But these magi come whoever they are, and we know that they're not Jewish. And the good news for us is that only leaves one option. There's only two races in all of Scripture, and the first is Jewish, the second is Gentile. So the only options that we have. They're either Jewish or they're Gentile, and they're not Jewish. So we know that these are Gentile magi. They've heard the rumor of a birth of a child, and so they come. They're not reading the scriptures. They're not reading the Old Testament. They're not in the synagogue every Saturday. They don't worship the way the Jews are known and expected to worship. They can't and wouldn't even know how because they're not from around here. These are Gentile magi that have come. That's who they are. The second question of what do the wise men do is a bit trickier, but perhaps we have some more information about it. The wise men are from the east. They see a star that's also in the east, and they start traveling west to Jerusalem to find this newborn king of the Jews. They leave home and country to find this child who is a king. They leave home and country to find 
a child who will be significant to a religion that they don't share, or at least a religion that they didn't previously share. And that alone seems like an amazing act of faith to me. They leave everything to find the Christ child. Amazing act of faith. And they go to the current king to ask about the newborn king. Again, something that I'm not convinced I would do, as that would cause so much anxiety. And that seems bold. But Herod directs them to Bethlehem. And as they're traveling to Bethlehem, that star that was in the east has now moved ahead of them. It's going now to the south, to Bethlehem. And eventually it ends up resting over the house where Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus are lying. And they go in. They enter the house. They see Mary holding the baby Jesus. And they kneel down and worship him. It's the very first thing they do. Scripture mentions no greeting, nothing else. Perhaps we can assume that. But scripture doesn't say it. They walk into the house and they kneel at the foot of Jesus. And they worship. It's their very first act. And once they've kneeled down and worshiped, they give gifts to Christ. And I mentioned and perhaps joked earlier that these were the first Christmas presents. And perhaps that's where the tradition comes from, but they're not really Christmas presents. We see this all the time in the Old Testament. There's plenty of example for what the Magi are doing here. When they worship, when anybody worships, they give sacrifices. And sacrifices aren't always, in fact, are frequently not an animal sacrifice or a blood sacrifice. That's not what this is. You have a grain sacrifice. You give a sacrifice of what you have, of what you do. You give forgiveness sacrifices, well-being sacrifices. That's what these wise men do. They give a sacrifice, which is an act of worship. And so they're not two separate things. They don't kneel down and worship and then give presents. They kneel down and worship, and as they're worshiping, they sacrifice of themselves to the baby Jesus who is in front of them. They sacrifice as an act of worship. That's what they do. I'll ask again, who are you this Christmas season? Who are you that have come to worship on this day? A lifelong Christian? A new Christian? A child in the faith? Who are you? A traveler from a distant land? Perhaps like the wise men, you may start with who you aren't. You're not the king of the Jews. You're not Jewish. With extremely little exception, the church universal is made up of Gentiles. That's who we are. The first people to visit the Christ child were the people who were not born into the faith, the people who were not under the covenant, people who were not the ones that were promised anything. The first people to visit the Christ child were the people who got adopted in 
Gentiles come. We were the ones that got invited in because of Christ's birth, because Christ came for all people. And then, what are you doing this Christmas season? What are your actions? How far have you traveled? Some of you probably have been on planes and around the country this past week, and so you've quite literally traveled a long, a long way. How far have you traveled for Christ? To be closer to him today than you were yesterday. To be closer to him today than you were on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. How far have you traveled for Christ? To be stronger in faith today than you have been at any time previously. My neighbor moved the wise men closer to Christ every single day. From Christmas until January 6th, every day they made a little bit of progress. Just a little bit. They couldn't do it all in one day, but every day they traveled a little bit more. I'll tell you, it's not Advent anymore. We're no longer waiting. We're no longer preparing. Christ is here. Christ has come. Praise the Lord. It's now Christmas. This is a season of action. This is a season of doing. So what are you doing this Christmas season? What are you doing for Christ? Have you sacrificed of yourself? Maybe to the church. Maybe it's an offering. Maybe it's an angel tree gift. Maybe it was a mission project or a gift to homeless people. I don't know. Have you given your service to Jesus through missions and volunteering? Have you given yourself all that you have to Christ? And most importantly, as the wise men showed us first, have you knelt down? Have you gone to Christ, gone to the cross, gone to the altar rail? Have you knelt down in front of Christ and offered yourself and worshiped and sacrificed to the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace. Christ came to earth and we now have the opportunity and the privilege to get to know him more and more. He became flesh so that he could know us, so that he could be with us, so that he could grow with us and share his love and grace with us. What are we doing to walk closer to him now? We have the opportunity to move closer to Christ, little by little, step by step, each day. And it takes our effort. It takes our action. It takes our recognition that Christ came for us just as he came for the wise men 2,000 years ago. This is the life-changing work of Christmas. This is the epiphany of Christ's birth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you live, you have come, and we are here now to worship you. We ask your blessings on us. We ask for so much because you first came. You came into the world to share your love, 
your grace, your peace. God, we ask your grace because you are so very good. And we ask that you guide us into 2020, and that you guide us to share your good news, and you guide us.